Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Bulls Beat. And today I have a special guest, Big Dave, from, man, like all kinds of things now. You're on, <laughs> you're on the Bulls Outcast. You're on, I can't even say ball correctly. You're going to have to throw it out there for me because I, I'm not going to do it justice. But just like all over Bulls Nation, Dave, thank you for coming on the show. So happy to have you. Man, thank you for having me. It's been a while since we have had time to chop it up and just hang out. So, yeah, this is good. It's good. I appreciate you hitting me up and actually, you know, just even wanting me on here, man, because I don't even think you understand. Like, I've really hold you in high regard like respect like once the day i got your respect was the day i really knew something like i thought i was doing something i'm like okay doug got some respect for my opinion i think i'm doing something now like for real i'm being very serious like i was like okay like yeah you're you're definitely one of the people on on those lists where i was like okay doug thinks doug respects me so okay i'm good like you're definitely on that list thank thank god we didn't do video because my face is so red now i'm blushing so badly like i <laughs> like i, I blow it up and i'm a little pasty to begin with so it'd be, it'd be, it'd be really rough but no that's that's like so nice it's it's uh, funny bringing the show back and uh you know it's like now I'm, I'm like probably one of the smallest bulls podcasts and uh it's you know it's kind of funny and i think like when you say that it's like well you've become the master now and i I saw like you, you've been on Bulls Outsiders and I thought you guys did a great job on that show. I actually I stay up to watch it like pretty regularly because oh, wow. I thought it, it was just it was just so, so much fun, uh, you know, seeing you guys and you developed great rapport. And just because I knew you before the show it was like, exciting to watch someone I know. And I'm like, I can't even imagine like how much more, you know, about basketball than me now. Like maybe that was maybe that was like always true, but like like before the show, I could have pretended maybe it wasn't true. But now I'm like, you sat there and watched every Bulls game with like professional basketball players and all these guys with you, and I'm like, man, like the amount of knowledge you had to have dropped and like just soaked in just had to have been so immense. I can't even can't even begin to think of like how cool that experience was. Maybe just just am I right? Like was it just no, like right. the coolest thing ever? The coolest thing ever. And you know I'm a I'm a sports nerd it's I'm a music nerd and a sports nerd and just seeing I, I just like just seeing Will Purdue come walking in the room blew my mind I was like dude that is Will Purdue and he's talking to me and Kendall Gill come walking in and then Mark Shanowski come walking in and then Jason Goff come walking in and you know running a Horace Grant and Jim Rose and you know just just all these writers you know that I would read all the time and all these uh, guys who played the game that I love and watched all the time, just sitting there listening to them break down these games and and Kendall Gill getting us up and showing us uh, defensive uh, uh, strategies, you know what I mean, and, and defensive stances and, you know, telling moves that he would do and how he would guide his his um, the guy he was defending, you know, how he would use his hand to guide the hand he was defending because he has huge hands. And he would like, no, he would tell us stuff like, you know, Jordan used to do this and while listening to Will Purdue tell us stuff that Kevin McHale used to do and just watching Will Purdue call uh, offensive plays before they even ran them and calling it a bucket before it even happened blew my mind. Like it was like on an inbounds and he's like, oh, they're about to run this, this. And here comes a three pointer and it's going in. He's not even at half court yet. And Will Purdue is calling this. And and yes, that's exactly what happened. So you're sitting there, you know, kind of like the feet of just for lack of a better term, like feet of the masters and the guys that, you know, you respect and just have been watching all your life and just listening to them break down the game man, and tell these things to you. 
and and sometimes agree with what you're saying. Like, no, what you're saying, you know, has validity, validity to it. Or if they say, no, that's wrong. And then you have those debates and those arguments and you go back and forth with it. So just to earn their respect and them to say you guys, you know, have a, a real solid idea about what you're talking about was it's mind blowing. Yes, Doug, it's mind blowing to sit in there and watch those games. And it was fun every single day, man. I, I still can't believe that these guys still know us and actually still like us and want to talk to us. Yeah, no, it's it, it also I think it makes you appreciate. And this has happened to me. I, I used to do Bulls Media Day when I was a quasi quasi media member doing Bulls Confidential. And I used to meet some of the the different writers and they a lot of them had read my work and were familiar with it and complimented me on it and it was like the same thing I was like blown away mm-hmm. but when you actually sit and talk to these guys or you interview any of the head coaches or stuff and and you get them on the side it it just makes you realize how dumb you are compared to <laughs> all these guys like 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 I'll rip on like Vinny Del Negro or someone who's like coach mm-hmm. but like if you actually sit down and talk with these guys you're like no this guy's still forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know like I could like we could talk about how bad Jim Boylan was as head coach, mm-hmm. but like you get like all these guys who are professionals, it's amazing like how much they know. And like you you listen to Will Purdue as a fan, you know just doing pregame, postgame, whatever, and and like you're oh yeah he's fine whatever, but you're you're judging him more on like how he interacts with the TV and what type of personality he has when you're talking to someone like that as an individual just one on one and you're actually soaking in their knowledge. You have like a whole new respect for all those guys. And mm-hmm. every time I've worked with anyone who is a professional in the basketball realm, be a, be a writer, coach, player, whatever, it, it has always made me feel humbled at like how little I actually know about this sport that I enjoy covering. Like it's like these guys are great. So I don't know. I, I just thought yeah. it had to be the coolest thing. I, I wanted to apply like for when I had the opening and I, I kind of had like a, a hook into to apply like you did and mm-hmm. talking with my wife and I'm like, there's no way, there's no way I could do this. Like I can't, <laughs> like, like the, I couldn't do it and keep my job. Like there's just too much time. And, and mm-hmm. so I, 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 knowing like seeing you guys on there, there's no way they would have picked me over any of you anyway. Like you guys were all fantastic. And the yeah. chemistry you had was great. Like, I mean, like I, I I'm like, I would have just been a, an utter failure on the show comparatively, but oh, it was, stop. Uh, it, 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 it <laughs> was like a really, uh, I mean, we saw Fred like come on the show. I mean, come on, you guys, you guys were great. You had like the, the perfect mix, uh, yeah. go in there. So, um, but great anyway, yeah, enough, uh, patting ourselves on the back and, and no. <laughs> <laughs> get people bored. But, uh, so let's, let's talk about, uh, the bulls. Now the bulls, as we said today, it's Friday, we're in the morning. So they're going to play the Lakers later tonight. I'm going to go out on a limb and predict the Lakers are going to win the game tonight. I, I haven't looked you. to it yet to see if LeBron's going to rest. Cause I believe the Lakers are in a back-to-back and, yeah. and maybe they'll have some load management. If that happens and maybe the game's a little more competitive, but I don't think, I don't think we expect that we would beat a fully staffed Lakers team. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, that's very fair to say, even though they're coming off a of back-to-back and they lost uh, to San Antonio because San Antonio played really well yesterday and was hitting all their threes and Rudy Gay was just on fire. But, yeah, they were coming off a of back-to-back, so that also scares me coming off a loss like that and then <laughs> yeah, LeBron yeah. coming in angry. This is this is the time. These are the games when the greats do things. You know, this is the games where you look at and they're like, it's time for me to go for 69. You know, <laughs> this, this is the game. These are the games. Like, these yeah. are the ones you do that on. And I'm, I just don't want the Bulls to be a victim of that, and and that's why I'm so impressed about what I've seen so far from them on these uh, two games they played. Three yeah. games. It's true. Yeah. So we'll we'll uh, we'll – for now, we'll say we're four and five, though, and, and maybe four and six seems likely. But mm-hmm. how do you feel about us right now? Like, I, I kind of feel like record wise, four and five feels pretty great, right? Like, compared yeah, to yeah. relative to what we thought. But 
when you actually look at the effort on the court, like we've gotten kind of blown out by the good teams and we've kind of won a lot against bad teams or teams missing, you know, key players like against Dallas where Doncic and, and Porzingis were out. And then, you know, kind of just playing toe to toe with a Golden State Warriors team, missing Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that really doesn't look that good anymore. And, and, and so, like, I kind of feel like our point differential overall is very bad. But then at the same time, we've been better game by game. Like, you know, it feels yeah. like they're getting better each day. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think. What do you what do you think about this team? And where do you think they're really going to end up? Say we'll say like, you know, a month from now, mm-hmm. like how how good do you think this team really is? I mean, honestly, I'm ecstatic with where they are. Um, going into the early season, when we first saw the schedule, there were people saying the Bulls won't win a game. Like, <laughs> the Bulls won't win a game for the first, what, eight, nine games. Like, nobody looked at that schedule and thought they'd win four. Like, people were very down. And understandably, because coming off of what we've seen and coming off the preseason, especially that first game where, you know, they just got destroyed and he, against by Houston, and even coming off the first game of the season against Atlanta, where they just got ran out the gym. I understand why people felt that way. But I am excited, like, because they look they look like they're learning. And I and I kind of saw that in the Golden State game. And I tweeted that out. Like, it looks like this they're gonna it's gonna start clicking soon for them. Like it just seemed that way. Just watching Billy Donovan and he's you know, you're you're rebuilding something. You know, you're you're teaching somebody it's okay. He's like a stepfather, like a good stepfather after the previous father, you know, would lock you in the closet for doing something wrong or, you know, hit you with the wire hanger. So now when he comes with his arms open, you're a little, ah, ah. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. Come this way. You know, I'll give you a hug. It's all right. I actually care about you. That's kind of what you're seeing, man. These guys aren't used to winning. None of nobody on the team is used to winning. Zach Levine's never had a winning season. Like, and he's your leader. Like, nobody's used to winning right now. So you're building literally from the ground up. Like, like the bones are there, you know, the, the structure is there, but he's, you know, remodeling, man, and moving stuff and changing things. So, man, I just like the fact that they look like they're learning and looking like a competent basketball team. Like these last games against the Kings and Portland have been the most fun games, like because you're like, wow, this looks like a team. You know, they're not just dribbling the ball off their foot. Nobody's stepping out of bounds on the baseline. No, there's no four players on the court because the coach can't recognize there's not five. Like you, you're like just happy at the competency and the logic, and you're seeing the basketball IQ go up a little bit every single game, and that's what's exciting about it. And Billy Donovan being encouraging to these guys, you know, letting them know like it's okay to make these mistakes, you know, telling Zach, yeah, that 39 is great, but I want you to be more aggressive. I want you to do this every single night because I believe you're that great. Wendell Carter Jr. Oh my, Wendell Carter Jr. was a broken human being. Okay, like he was broken. The man didn't know if he should shoot the ball or put on weight or eat donuts or fast for three days. He didn't know. He has no idea. The man was lost. And so seeing him learn and get confidence in his shot and himself, it's been huge. So any victories that came with that have been awesome. So it's it's going how I expected uh, when we first going back to getting uh, AK and Mark Eversley. This is what I expected. And when I heard we got Billy Donovan, this is really what I expected. I expected growth. I expect this team just to look better. Lowry Markkinen looked um, great. I ain't going to say amazing, but he looked great, man. 17 and 7. I mean, what, it was per 36. He's averaging like 24 and 9. Like, he's shooting 50% from the three-point line and 50% from the field. Like, this is awesome, awesome stuff, man. I, there are things, of course, you can nitpick at and pick at and say, no, this needs to be better. They got to do this better. They got to do this better. Of course, of course, of course, of course. But nobody was thinking that the Bulls would look like a competent NBA team right now at this point in the season. 
Man, I, are you going to change your name to C Red Dave? You gonna true. Do, do a Phil, show I have told no lie. You might you might need no. to be the co-pilot on the next big red bus. I mean, like no, I don't no, know I, if I'm I'm bringing the energy like that. That's no. I told I, no, I, I told no lie, Doug. <laughs> I told no <laughs> lie. You know, it, it, it's interesting, and I'm gonna call myself out a little bit. So I basically was sort of on record for a lot of the offseason saying I don't think coaching makes that big a difference. Uh, I think Jim Borland was bad, but I don't think Billy Donovan is gonna come in. And, and make a huge, huge difference with this roster. And I think, you know, Jim Boylan, I think, was just maybe he really was a special type of bad. Like, Because <laughs> I, 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 I think, like, normally, like, coaching does, does, doesn't make that big of a difference. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think Jim Boylan, I may have been, I may have just underestimated. I, I think, I, I guess I just figured, like, no one can be that bad and get have the job. You know, like, like, no one, like I just figured like like on the inside he's got to be doing better like like no one can really be and you know what it's it's a stupid thing to think because I'm sure Dave you've had the situation I've had the situation I'm sure all our listeners have this situation where you're working with someone and you're like that dude is so bad how does he have this job yeah yeah like be it a boss be it like someone like someone in your life is like that right like yeah and so yep Jim Borland may have just been that guy and like I just didn't think. Maybe because I have a good amount of respect for John Paxson. Like, I just did not think that he could have maintained that job if he was really that bad. But it, it kind of feels like I was wrong and that he really was just a special kind of bad because <laughs> I, can't, I can't disagree with what you're saying. Like, it, it definitely seems like these guys are better and they're better because of coaching. You see Larry Markkinen in better positions. He's playing inside more. He's not standing around. You see Thad Young inside more. Uh, his, his offense is now kind of being used to his strength. You see Wendell Carter not just scared to ever touch the ball anymore and like <laughs> be able to do things and even fight through some early struggles. And, you know, people were mocking like how bad he was. But like now he's shooting over 50 percent from the field. Yeah. And, you know, his performance is actually like not bad. It's like people are still hung up on how bad he was in preseason, but he's actually playing pretty, pretty well. Like, you know, I mean, so it's it is I I, I don't know if I can get to your level of hype yet, but like mm-hmm. I'm. I, I, I can't argue a whole lot with what you're saying. And I think it'll be interesting to see. And, and how, how do you think they're going to do? So we had the schedule. The very beginning of the schedule wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. right? Like you had Atlanta in there. I thought it was a winnable game, even though we got destroyed. Indiana, I thought it was kind of a winnable game, even though we got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Golden State was a winnable game that we barely lost. You, had, you won those two games against Washington. Dallas ended up being a winnable game we didn't think would be. Uh, but and we won it and Sacramento was was one that we could have won and we were very close you know so not, I, I think we've competed now early on there were some games we didn't really compete but like since that kind of early stretch we've now competed pretty well in every game mm-hmm. and now we, we got a lot of tough games coming up like really tough games yeah yeah how do you feel we're going to do over the stretch do you think we're going to get any wins against we'll say like premier opponents like your Lakers your Clippers the mm-hmm. teams you expect to really be there at the end do you think I mean I don't think we're going to go over 500 against those teams but right. do you think we're going to go 0 4 against them, or do you think we'll get at least one or two wins against some of the like kind of premier teams of the league? Uh, well, Lakers and Clippers, no, I don't see them beating those guys. Um, I just my hope for that is just compete. Like I just don't want to yeah. be blown out by 40. You know, I just don't want that. I just want it to be competitive and look like something. The same way, kind of in the Kings game, what they look like because they didn't play great, but and Zach Levine, you know, wasn't on top of his game, but Kobe White was going insane. And when Carter Jr. actually had a really solid game and the play of, of the veteran like Garrett Temple and guys like that, you know, they look good. So 
that's on it. I think it's just all how you're looking at it. You know, like I don't look at the wins and losses against these teams right now. Uh, these elite teams, because I don't expect them. I don't expect those victories. Like, I'm like, okay, the Celtics, maybe because they're in the East, but I, I really don't, I don't see us winning that either. But I like the fact that it's competitive and I'm enjoying watching basketball again, Doug. Like, you got to remember for two seasons, we're doing Bulls Outsiders. It was a drag for, for a lot of people yeah. watching basketball. It was a drag because not only were they losing, they were bad in losing. You know what I mean? It's, it's like Phoenix, watching Phoenix last year. You know, Phoenix was was losing, you know, but Phoenix was super entertaining. You know, you would watch them. You were like, man, this is an entertaining team. Devin Booker, these guys know basketball. You know, Bridges, like, you know, Aiden, these guys, you know, that Monty Williams and the difference he's making. Like, he turned Cameron Payne into a, a basketball player. He should be coach of the millennium. Like, like <laughs> it's amazing what he's done. And the basketball was fun to watch. That's what I wanted for this team. I just wanted to see something fun and something competitive before we can dig in. Like, I really want to dig in and say, okay, you're not supposed to do that. All right, stop that. All right, don't do that. You know, move that back. Get that out of here. No, man, when you're, you're relearning how to walk. So I can't be mad that you don't know how to walk after 10 days of physical therapy. You know, like, you're still relearning how to do it. So when I'm looking at them, I'm honestly not looking at those wins and losses yet. Uh, but soon, but real soon, I, I'm going to start doing it, especially after, you know, we stop playing these uh, super teams uh, with like the Lakers and the Clippers and the ball and these guys coming up. So when I think when we get into the meat of the NBA, you know, when people are middle of the road teams, that's kind of what I want to look at, because I, I didn't want to get blown out by Indiana, you know, because I, I didn't consider Indiana elite, even though they're like six and two. Um, I didn't I didn't consider the Hawks uh, elite. I wanted to see it first. I know they had all the pieces, but I just kind of wanted to see how it formed. And now reports are coming out that uh, Trey and uh, John Collins are having words with each other about how the offense is being run. So this is the stuff I wanted to see, you know, first. I wanted to get into that. So I think I'll judge the Bulls more when they're taking on the meat of the NBA. Uh, are they at that level yet? Are they above that level? Where are they in, in those kind of terms? Because, you know, Lakers and Clippers, no. I, I know we're not there. I know we're Yeah, no one we're thinks not we're there. there. Yeah, so any victory – that will come if they get a victory from there. I mean, that's the championship. You know, that's how you are with your bet. Like, you're like, that's the title. It's, but no, I don't expect them to win. No. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, you never know. I guess it. So that's why I say, like, can you get one? Like, it's, you got three games now: Lakers, Clippers, Celtics. Can you yeah. get one of those three? Like, clearly you're not going to get. Clearly you're not going to get all three. Clearly yeah. you're not going to get two of three, or most right. likely not two of three. But yeah, you could maybe get one of three. Like, remember, we go back a ways in the LeBron era, and LeBron. James's Heat were trying chasing down like the record for most consecutive wins for an NBA franchise, and they were stopped by John Lucas and the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, tracks like so. It's like yeah. you can always you can always win against anyone one point. day. You know, like so. It's like I and that's that's kind of what I hope is when I see like a block of like three games like this. Like I want you to win one of three. You know, like like I, I know you can't win all three. I know you probably can't win two or three. And I and probably most times if it was more really a block of four, like you got the thunder on the end of that block. I think we should. Right. Get right. Thunder. Right. Yeah. But sure. like, you know, so I don't want to throw them in there. So maybe if we just throw the Dallas game after that. So mm-hmm. those three plus mm-hmm. Dallas, like I'd like and assuming Doncic is back. I'd like to see you win one of those games. Yeah, you know, like I would too. One against someone good. You know, like I feel a lot better about this team if they get one against someone good. But, you know, they're, they're better than I thought. And I. I think you're absolutely right about the learning to walk because this this team literally literally looks better every time you see them play. And yeah. maybe the other example you gave about like the Phoenix Suns, the Bulls right now today are third in pace in the NBA 
and like the the scores that they're putting up there are amazing and so even though they're bad like you're still seeing like scores like golden state 129 to 128 right you know right, washington right. 133 to 130 the sacramento <laughs> game 128 to 124 yeah. like when you, when someone puts up when you put up 120 points even in a loss like you still had some fun that you saw on that, right? Like there's there's exactly. some kind of crazy Gafford dunk. There's like some type mm-hmm. alley oop. There's mm-hmm. Patrick Williams doing something. Like like there's something to sit watch and cheer. Like you're not grinding out like a like an 85 <laughs> to like 97 loss or something. <laughs> or like you know it's just like you're just walking the ball up the court, which is really like the yeah. Jim Boylan area, right? Like his yeah. And, and statistically, that kind of makes sense that when you're not a good team, you want to play slower. Like the fewer possessions there are, the more likely you are to to win in a game where you're a worse team because the the longer a game goes, the more talent should win out. Yeah. So there's like some like logic to that, but it made it like the worst ever to watch. We're a bad team and we're really slow and boring. Like it's <laughs> like, so it's, it, it's like, this is actually, even in the games you lose, there's like, there's like something kind of fun to it. As long as you're not down by 30 in the third quarter, uh, which we've seen a few times, mm-hmm. but, and, and that's all I root for, for these next two games against the two LA teams is like, don't be down by like 20 plus points in the third quarter. You know, like, keep, keep me within 10 in the fourth quarter. And if you do that and you lose, even if you lose by 15 in the end, like I'll kind of be OK with it. Like I recognize yeah. that these are elite franchises you're going up and, and the Bulls just aren't at that level yet. But, you know, like make it a game, you know, show mm-hmm. them something. So, mm-hmm. all right. On, on to the next topic. I think one of the key things the Bulls have had to learn this year is can Kobe White and Zach Levine play together? Are these guys the next Dame and CJ? That's like mm-hmm. the comparison I use of two guys who are kind of like combo guards maybe neither one is a pure point guard but they're both maybe point guardish enough and then they can both just score like crazy right. uh, and then also in this case they're both kind of defensive sieves uh which you know hopefully that always improves but yeah we don't probably expect those guys to ever be amazing defenders you know like can they be that or are these guys really just not going to ever be able to flourish next to each other and i don't know what do you think of the early returns of that experiment uh the early returns have been good uh, again, you're watching those guys figure each other out and what each other likes to do. Because uh, like Zach, it's not like he was playing with Kobe White last year, you know, in the backcourt, you know, to start the game yeah. or just knowing where he was going to be. It was usually in the fourth quarter. And by that time, Zach Levine was trying to win the game. So he didn't have time to try to figure it out. You've seen the difference already in a sense of Zach Levine brings the ball up now. And Zach Levine is the one kind of setting the offense and set it kind of setting the table. And Kobe White is kind of playing off that because, you know, we, we know Kobe White is, is not a great facilitator. We know this, but his talent has to be on the floor. So what can we do to keep his talent on the floor? And, you know, everybody can grow from that. Well, Zach Levine likes dishing the ball and he's a great passer and teams have to account for him when he has the ball. And they have to worry about him from the three point line in. They have to can be concerned with him. So now it's, it makes it the facilitating for him a little easier. And Zach is very unselfish. He's, he's always been really unselfish. And he enjoys passing the ball to the point where sometimes I'm like, dude, I need you to score. Like, I need you to go score and, and do that. You saw that in the game. He had, what, eight assists in the first half. And he just was very comfortable doing that. Kobe White, he gets his assist within his game. You know, he I didn't want him to change his game or kind of change who he was to become the facilitator. And again, back to Billy Donovan, he said, he said, dude, I'm not asking him to be a traffic cop. Like I'm asking him, you know, just, you know, get everybody involved because they're they're playing off your energy and they're playing off of you because, you know, you're the point guard. So they're kind of playing off of you and how you want to do it. And you're watching Kobe get that. 
you know, you're watching them figure that out because that stuff comes with repetition. It comes with time. It's the biggest truth teller. It's time. And it's coming with time and it's just coming with repetition and, and where guys are most comfortable. So I like that last game against the Kings because you kind of saw Zach, you know, give that trust more, you know, like, all right, Kobe, you know what I mean? Go ahead. You got it. My shot isn't falling right now today. I'm going to go ahead and facilitate. I want to see the game where Kobe's like, my shot isn't falling. Maybe I should, you know, get people open because teams are going to have to start playing up on him because because if he keeps scoring 30, you're going to have to adjust, you know, say as a defense. So you're going to have to start playing up on him. And let's see his how he becomes a facilitator from that. And let's see how that happens or if he stays, at, you know, kind of off ball or anything like. Yeah. I, but to answer your question, yes, I've, I've liked what I've seen from those two guys. And I like the fact that they're figuring it out. And it's growth. I'm, I'm liking the growth I'm seeing. Like, it's not stagnant. You know, no guy's just going to stand on one side. No guy just stand on the other side. They're figuring it out. Where where you like the ball? What do you like to do? How do you like to move? You know, should we get it here? Should we do this half-court set here? Who runs the break when we get that ball? I saw Kobe White last game do something I was very proud of. Because in the second quarter, he was super-duper tired. He was worn out. And they recognized that on the Kings and they took Barnes down in the post and he took Kobe in the post with him and just bodied him and put Kobe on the ground and Kobe laid there for a while after the foul. <laughs> and I said, now, if Kobe's going to have to figure out, because he moves fast, he's going to have to figure out when to get rest on the floor, when to take a break on the floor. And that very play, you what did you see? You saw Zach Levine get the ball and bring it up. Kobe White go stand over there in the corner and just be there, you know, and just have his defender with him and get himself a rest right there on that play. And the on the defensive end, when the switch came for Harrison Barnes, he did not switch. He stayed with Tyrese Halliburton, who was standing out the three-point line, and he didn't move. That's veteran stuff to me because that's how Reggie Miller and those guys who run around all the time get that rest, you know, and because you, you have to find a way to rest within the game. That's how, that's how it has to be. So I was just excited to see him have that kind of IQ and figure out that kind of stuff. So it's the little things I'm looking at, Doug, to, to pick up from those two guys, man, and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about the combination that that we have, man. They they look exciting. What, what's interesting to me about Zach, who's had just a massive amount of turnovers this year, yeah, uh, so far, is like when you actually go and like figure out what all Zach turnovers are. Like as you mentioned, he's like a very good and willing passer. Like mm-hmm. almost none of them are passing the ball. <laughs> right. Turnovers <laughs> are like it's like I dribbled the ball off my foot yeah. because I was trying to go through three guys exactly. or like I got called for a travel or I stepped on the end line or like like he's like, like never, never like turns the ball over. Like, like I shouldn't say never, but it just feels like almost so many of his turnovers are like preventable. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just I'm like, man, like I just like, I just feel like I, I feel like Zach is like so close to being like this really good player. And I've been. Maybe it's a little separate to this point, but like, been very excited about his defense this year. Yeah, like, it's yeah. been so much better. Like the energy is very high now. His off the ball awareness has been just dramatically improved. And I don't want to say like Zach's an amazing defender now, but like his, like the effort is there and his attention to detail is there so much more. And I, I wonder if that is a little bit kind of you were talking about rest, and to some degree when Zach was out there before he was really bearing the full brunt of the offense, like pretty much every possession. And with Kobe white now actually bearing a lot of that brunt of the offense while he's on the floor, I wonder if he just has like more energy to expend on defense mm, that's than, a very he did, good point. Than, than he did in the past. Like, and now it's just like, it's not, you know, it's like, it's tough to really go balls out at both ends of the court and 
now that he's not on the ball trying to juke through three guys, yeah. uh, you know, he, he actually has more energy left to, <laughs> to do stuff. He's not <laughs> resting on defense. Like it could be part of that. I've, I'm not point. quite as quite as high on the on their combination of the two as you are. Okay. Okay. I think individually, you know, like up until and it's hard to gauge because up until maybe it's like the last two three games, mm-hmm. I would have told you Kobe White was like an F so far this year. Mm-hmm. Like like through like maybe it was like five or six games. I forget the exact number, but like he had a true shooting percentage of like 48 percent, which is like out of the league bad. And yeah. if your primary ability is scorer, like that's really bad, right? Like if your right. primary ability is defender. And you have a bad true shooting percentage, okay. Mm-hmm. But like when your primary ability is to score and you're scoring at like an out of the league level efficiency, that's really bad. Now we knew at yeah. that time, right? Like it's a very small sample size. So it's just I, I even said like I think so far he's like an F. Mm-hmm. But like it's so far. The key is so far. Like I don't Correct. expect that to continue. But this is just it's a statement of this is what has occurred. And now he's been really outstanding since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially this last game against Sacramento, he had an amazing game. But it, like this last like three four games have, have been significantly improved and that percentage has actually climbed up to i think it's like 55 percent now yeah which is just amazing how fast these stats shift and why you shouldn't use stats as like a major thing early in the season <laughs> unless you're just going to say like i said so far this is what has happened in this very and you, and you note the sample size right it's it's okay to say this has happened in a small sample size and expect a guy to kind of go back to their norm like zach's three-point shooting so far this year has been very poor but we we don't expect him to be a sub 30 percent three-point shooter throughout right. the season right we think he'll get hot and and get back to where he was. And, and it'd be very surprised if that didn't happen. Uh, so, so far it's been hard for me to gauge Kobe White and Zach together because Kobe up until recently has played kind of poorly. Um, I would like to see a little bit more uh, like they don't play off each other a whole lot. And I'm not sure how they would. And maybe, maybe your example is actually very correct in a way of like, sometimes I feel this taking turns thing becomes a little negative, but it also means that both guys are fully rested to give better effort on defense, to yeah. get better effort, effort when they have the ball. I think Kobe's reads have improved a lot over the, the games he's played on offense as a, as a point guard. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll ever be a pure point guard, but he's no, definitely, no. Gotten, definitely gotten much better than he was a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, even in limited time. And, and I think he's also improving game by game. So yeah. I, I didn't even have a question in there, but no, no, like you, can have no, one no. You, you can see it, man. No, you can see it. And, and you have to also remember what Kobe, the, the way Kobe White was playing in those first couple of games. It, he was the main ball handler. You know, he was the guy trying to set up the offense, you know, and figure this because he, he's never done that. Like He's never, ever done that ever. So, yeah, it's not going to look good. I was like, he's, it's not going to look good at all. But what he had to do, it was just like last year, man, when he was figuring it out and he did not look good. Because for me, it, it just looked like a guy who was figuring it out last year. He hit that rookie wall and he wasn't comfortable with what he's doing and then he said oh i get it you know what i'm gonna do what i want mid-range all day i don't care what y'all say this is about to be my game and then you saw three straight 30 point performances and he looked great you seeing it uh, come earlier this time because you have somebody who has your back and and coach donovan this time somebody who's encouraging you a little more to be yourself this time so if you haven't figured it out you figure out a way to make it work because he's like dude i'm not gonna yank you i'm not gonna take you out for for this i'm gonna let you figure it out i'm gonna let you fail because that's how you're going to learn so go back watch the tape let's see how you get better and come out and let's do it again the next game so and that's what you're kind of seeing him doing because the dude was a gym rat like he's a basketball fiend you can't be a basketball fiend and not understand the ins and outs of the game like he's gonna figure that stuff out that stuff is going to come so i just like the way that they kind of figured like oh you know what i don't need to bring the ball up all the time zach can do that he enjoys doing that he gets rest doing that 
You know, he, he can explore it just like you just said, how he can do that on the defensive end and maybe um, cheat in the passing lanes a little bit more, you know, and run with those defenders a little bit more because he's getting that rest, even bringing the ball up and facilitating and finding stuff for people. So Kobe White, man, he, he's figuring it out. It's getting comfortable for him. And now you're just looking at the growth. You're, you're trying to see the growth because you're right. I want to see it get to the point where both of them understand each other, where they can communicate with just looking at each other. You know, you want it to get to that point. And guys talking on the floor, you know, letting everybody know where they need to be. They weren't doing that when the season started. No, you, you couldn't hear anything. There's nobody in the stadium. And you still can't hear people talking on the Bulls. But you can hear that now. You can kind of hear these guys developing it now, man. So, yeah, Kobe, it's, it just took, takes time. It just takes some time. But he's looking better. And, yeah, that's what's exciting. Yeah. And and so to move on to a couple other other players and – I think maybe first, let me do you agree with this statement in general, the veterans on our team have really played well and have like kind of established or maybe stabilized this group. Uh, Otto, um, Thad and Temple specifically have played, you know, pretty well, provided a great stabilization, move the ball well, get each other into the right sets. Like the team just looks smarter and a little bit more competent when we have some of these guys on the floor. Yeah, weird, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> weird, I, 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 I've got a controversial shit. statement, right? You I know, right? right. Like, really smart veteran players on there, and, and they know what they're doing a little bit more than guys in the league yeah. one or two years. Okay, yeah. so nothing, nothing crazy about that. But right. it's awesome to see. We, but we've seen that, right? It's funny too because some people then have like gone out to say like, oh, well, we're only winning because we have veteran players playing. Well, yeah, like like, like every other team in the league, like, like there's this team that's playing like five guys under 23 and then doing really great. Like, I mean, it just doesn't happen that way. Right. So yeah. Anyway, so, so now we have a couple guys that are going to come back. We got, we got Sato and we got Lowry who are out uh, due to the uh, COVID contact tracing protocols. To my knowledge, uh, neither of these guys actually had COVID. Uh, They don't have to disclose it. So it's possible to do, but I actually got some sourced information that they did not for whatever it's worth, um, at least as of two days ago. Okay, uh, so, so assuming those guys actually come back now, the guys who are just kind of stabilized everything are the guys that have kind of took the minutes from these two guys. True. You know, true. Like, so, so now how are you going to integrate these guys back in the roster? Who do you think is going to be the minutes loser as you try to find, I mean, Lowry was playing close to 30 minutes a game. Uh, before he went out and, you know, Sato had really only been available for a couple games because he was out earlier for a different COVID contact tracing thing. Uh, so with those two guys coming back, how do you see the for, the rotation going? You're Billy Donovan. How are you going to fit these guys back in? Oh, man, that's a great question. I mean, because Lowry's going to play like period. I mean, 17 and 7, 50 percent from the field. He he will be on the court. That's that's a given. Um, so I, immediately you're going to look at guys like that um, who might take a step back because He's even though, you know, he's been great. They've been running him at center, you know, in that fourth quarter. That's been their lineup is having him and having Temple yeah. in there along with Otto Porter and kind of stabilizing things, and which is great. But the two guys I mentioned in, in Otto Porter Jr. and Thad aren't, aren't going to be with the team. You know, these guys aren't two year, you know, guys like they won't be here for the next two years. It's, it's just not going to happen unless Otto wants to take that pay cut and nothing about Otto Porter Jr. says I'm taking a pay cut. And he shouldn't go get your money. You know what nothing I'm nothing about any player ever. Yeah. In my opinion, says I'm going to, I'm about that. Pay well, that's, cut. Unless and, you're a veteran like David West. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, if, you're, if you're trying to get the ring, yeah, they, you know, they, like they you, do. you, you made your like $200 million or whatever. Like, right. Hey, look, I, and I'll say this, I, regardless of whether you're a player, whether you're a plumber, whether you're a programmer, 
whether you're working at McDonald's, you know, you do what's best for you. Get your money. When it comes to when it comes to finances, right? Like get your money. You, yes. you do what's best for you. You know, like and and when it comes to the negotiations, the owners will do what's best for the owners, the players will do what's best for the players. I don't feel bad for any of these people, like when they're negotiating. They've each got like lawyers and agents and people who make millions of dollars negotiating on their behalf. No one's helping me that way. So like no one, no one's getting like a bad deal. Like people, people always like take one side and these like player owner, like lockout strikes, whatever. I'm like, none of these people are getting bad deals. They all got tons of money and they're all represented by like legal staffs that probably make like 50 plus million dollars a year. So like no one got, no one got screwed like in the way this all worked out. Right. Like, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a great way. That's a great way to look at it. Like seriously, like like none of us will ever have that kind of representation in anything we do in life. So like, like don't feel bad for anyone involved, but anyway, anyway, yeah. So they'll get their money. Uh, I mean, Thad could be here in a year. He he has an option or maybe not option, a half guarantee on his salary next year. So he might be here two years. I, I kind of agree, but then do you think that's going to hurt the team? Uh, if you start, you know, dipping into these guys minutes a little bit, you know, especially like maybe Porter has played, I think really outstanding uh, yeah, lately, yeah. kind of on both ends. And are you willing to to take, say, three, four, five more losses this year to play Lowry? I mean, Lowry might not be here next year, right? I mean, he's a free Fair. agent, you Fair. know, like. I don't I don't like that you said that it just hurt my heart a little bit. But yes, it's very fair. <laughs> very fair. Very fair point, sir. But yeah, I mean, you you have to because these are the guys I'm I'm trying to develop it. This is a year that, you know, we're like we can make a deep playoff run, then yeah, you don't do that. But like I said, we're learning to walk. And I want to learn to walk with the guys with with the fresh legs, like the guys with the younger legs right now. Those are the guys I'm trying to teach uh to learn how to walk. And I and I'm glad this is happening because what you're seeing is the veterans teaching these guys how to win you know like this is how you win the game this is how you're supposed to do it so i hope these guys are soaking that in uh while they're out there on the court and while they're out there watching i hope they're taking that in but yeah i'm gonna need lowry in there like he's gonna have to be in there in your fourth quarter because i mean he's the threat period that that's just what it is so like i said thad is gonna take some might take some minutes losses auto porter jr uh might take those minute losses but billy donovan is smart enough and to figure out where everybody needs to be and when everybody needs to be on the floor and, and things like that. So nobody wants to lose. Nobody's out here to, you know, lose in the NBA. Everybody wants to win. But, you know, this team is learning right now. And I'd rather learn with Lowry right now. I really would. I'd rather learn with Lowry to see if he is that guy. Because, like you said, contract year. Like, this is a huge contract year for him if he's going to stay with this team or not. If this is the guy you're saying is your future, he's he's got to be out there, man. Yeah, I I think the Bulls are gonna I think they're gonna trade Lowry. Don't say these things to me, Doug. I think I think I think you have to. (laughs) I think when you didn't extend him early, Uh like you have to trade him. Because no, what's gonna happen is like one of two things is gonna happen. One, you're gonna get to the end of the year and you're gonna have to pay him like way more than you would have had to pay him if you extended him early. Yeah. Or two, he's not gonna be worth his early extension price and you're not gonna want him anyway. Mm, and okay. if you have to pay him way more, you're going to be like, man, we screwed this up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe you'll just do it. That happened with Jimmy Butler, right? Like we made Jimmy yeah. Butler bet on himself and then we paid him anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. And so that yeah. could happen with Lowry too. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, 
But Lowry's a guy who always struck me as I he's loyal. He always struck me as a loyal person. Like he doesn't want to leave. Like it doesn't want to go. He wants to play in Chicago. But the Bulls, of course, are gonna try to make the best deal. And I'm sure he's gonna do the same. You know, as as they should. Both people will have million dollar agents. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like you, you know, said, like, they will have a team of lawyers behind them. Yes, they're, they're all everyone, everyone involved will have adequate representation. No one is going <laughs> to yeah. be, no one will be taken advantage of. I, yeah. I, I kind of feel like, um, yeah, I, I'm not. It's it's funny because everyone always before a guy gets paid mm-hmm. the first time, everyone is always like, ah, oh, they they're a good guy. They'll take less money. They're loyal, and like to some extent, I think before they get into that first negotiation, those things feel like very true too. Mm-hmm. And then, like after they get that first paycheck, they're like, "Man, that guy's overpaid. He doesn't work hard." <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like they things shift like immediately. Yeah. Like, your, like yeah. opinion of Lowry while he's making like five million a year is like going to be totally different than your opinion of Lowry if he's making like twenty three million a year. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it just is, and and like he, it's not like overnight he changes, right? Like he's the same same player, and and that that you just see that time and time again. And I don't know that that means anything one way or the other about whether you should or shouldn't keep a guy because. Replace Lowry with any other guy that's in, in that same boat, and it's the same situation. It's not like a Lowry specific thing, but I I kind of feel like they're gonna they're gonna move him. I you know I don't know. And maybe that's just because if I was the Bulls, I would move him. Like mm. I don't tr- I don't trust Lowry as a superstar. Mm-hmm. I don't trust him to stay healthy. I don't think he has enough athletic advantage at his position. I don't think he's versatile. Like I think there's just he's a good scorer shooter, but I just don't know if he does enough of anything else mm. for me to get behind paying him huge money. But then I just also don't know, like, I don't see any other team stepping up and being like, yeah, I'll give you two first round picks and, mm-hmm. you know, or I'll give you a pick that projects into the lottery for him, you know, and then it's kind of like, well, he's certainly going to be better than like a mid round first. And then it's kind of like, do you take 50 cents or do you, you know, like, <laughs> or do you, you, you keep them and you pay him a dollar, you know, it's like, you can get it, you can get your dollars worth if you pay him a dollar or you can take 50 cents and not pay him anything. Right, and right, Which right. of those situations is better for you is, is kind of tricky to say and, I, I guess maybe it kind of depends what direction the team is at. Like at the deadline, if the, the Bulls are, say, winning 40% of their games, I think mm-hmm. I think it's much more likely you say, like, wow, we really have something here. Yeah. It just needs a couple more years to marinate. And if they're winning, like, 25% of their games, then you're like, yeah, no, maybe we kind of just need to to turn the page on some of these guys mm-hmm. and it'd be a little different, so... Don't give up on him, Doug. Don't give up, Don't, don't give up. I, don't I, give up I, on I can't him, give up on anyone after hearing you talk. I mean, like, geez, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to go, like, get my bull sweatshirt out and, like, like buy season tickets again. I'm just like, man, this is the next coming. I mean, it's like it's like you're Fred, but I believe it instead of just uh, like it's a shtick. I mean, I, I like yeah, got heart behind it. I tell people all the time, my – my uh, what did I tell you? Because you said that to me earlier on on Twitter, and and I told oh yes, my my positivity and all that stuff I have is all steeped in logic, all of it. So I don't just yeah. feel this way to feel this way. Like yeah. it's definitely logical thoughts behind it. You know what I mean about what I'm saying. Like if I don't see the logic in it, then I'm like, well, then that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah, I I see it in Lowry when I see him play and when I watch him, and I just like man, dude, like I just need his mind, the mental of it. To, to be right because when I saw him regress last year I just knew it was Jim Boyle I was like there's there's no way that you're gonna go from people calling you saying man you might be a top 25 uh player in this league to like why should you even be playing basketball like that's that's not a thing that doesn't really happen and so when I watched that kind of regression and then I heard what Jim Boyle was trying to do to Lowry's game and you could just see he was kind of trying to model him after Luke Cornett which is never smart and you just saw him try to change the entire game. And what did Billy Don- immediately Billy Donovan when he came in? Lowry said he asked him immediately, 
Where do you like the ball? Where do you like to score? What's comfortable for you? Boom. That's what you see. So now you see the dude who's like, man, this coach likes me. I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm look like I'm, he looks like he's having fun out there when he's playing basketball. And you see him not thinking. You see him not thinking when he's doing stuff. He's just doing stuff. I saw him take a fadeaway, a turnaround fadeaway towards the baseline. I've never seen him do that. Out on here, I should say here. I've, I've seen him do it in Finland, but I've never seen him do it here. And I was just like, that's confidence. He wouldn't even have the confidence to take that shot last time, man. So you just see that stuff growing and building, man. So that's why I'm saying don't don't give up on him because I, I, I'm seeing it. And if it doesn't work out, fine. Then it doesn't work out, then I promise you I'll let it go because this is my last year on, on Lowry Island. I've said that a million times. This is my last year. All Everything around him as to why – uh, he hasn't been successful, has been removed. All of it. So now it's all on him. So everything is on him. It's all in front of him. It's how he wants to do it. If he does it, I'm staying on the island. If not, send me the plane. It's time to go. Well, if, if not, he won't be here. So you won't have to worry about it, right? Like you're, you're just, right. No one, no one's following uh, Lowry Island if it moves over to the Pelicans or something, right? Like it's just we're just not gonna. I mean, we'll wish him well if if the Bulls don't keep him. Like it's not like I have any animosity towards the guy right, ever or anyone, you know, in the league. Like I don't know any of these guys. Like they don't, you know, you you, you root for him or not. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I. I, I do love what I've seen out of Lowry this year. I was not a believer, but he has had an amazing start to the season. You know, it was a shame that he got hit in the calf and then, then uh-huh. got put into COVID protocol. And, you know, in some ways, I'm a little glad he got put into the COVID protocol because, like, we tried to run him out there the next game, and then he had to stop at halftime. That's true. And, like, that is this, like, dangerous trend we had in the past where, like, oh, they just we'll just throw him out there, you know, and then they can't <laughs> continue. And then, like, yeah, it's like the, then the injury, like, nags for a while. And I'm like, you know, like, just, dude, like, just, just take it easy notch, you know, like, and, and, and you love, you love that the guy wanted to play through it. And there's, there's no part of me that feels like, Oh, Lord, Lowry is just taking time off and he's soft and he's milking injuries or whatever. Like, I don't think that's true or anything, but like, you you just wanted to, to get better. And I think actually having this enforced like week plus of rest will, will mean when he comes back that we're not going to have this threat of him then uh, going away again and, and leaving a game mid game or having this injury nag on for three weeks you know, so I think I think I'm excited that when he does come back, he should be kind of like full strength and what Excellent we expect. Yeah, at least at least knock out one. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, Doug, like, did you nobody, including myself, we didn't think he could play center. Like he was running him out there at the five, you know, with the second unit and was successful at it. And it looked yeah. right. And I'm like, I didn't see that. Like, I, I was like, this dude can't play the five. Impossible. And he was doing it and doing it well. And so, yeah, that's that's why I have that's where the faith and the positivity is coming from, because. Because of stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, you, you just made an excellent point, though, man. Made an excellent point. That rest, that extra rest, uh, him having that is, is really going to be helpful for him and, going forward. And the center thing you just mentioned brings me back kind of to a little point. I think Gafford is actually maybe going to be the guy who loses out on minutes. Yeah, uh, I know. Because, I know. Because I know. because Lowry, just what you said there, we were running him with the second unit at center. And Gafford actually was sitting kind of in a lot of those games. And, and we were having some success, particularly when teams go really small, right? You know, mm-hmm. like there's there's lineups that Gafford can do well against. I think he does really well against the small lineups, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like I think when Lowry it doesn't have a big physical guy out there to go up against. And we see a lot of teams running out basically five guard type lineups. Right. You know, where the, the tallest guy is six, seven. And you throw Lowry out in that lineup. And I think he can be extremely successful, especially in offense. Wow. And, and and I think like you'll you'll see him take some of those minutes. And we'll we'll leave Gafford on the back burner because I, I like Gafford. This isn't meant to be a bad comment about him, mm-hmm. but Gafford is probably just like a he's just got he's like the guy who's going to carve out a long career 
we, we were on a, a show with Fred and Mike Colucci said this statement. He said, he said like, yeah, he's the guy who's going to have a 10 year career and play on six teams and be like an <laughs> adequate backup center for all of them. You know, like, and, and I, I kind of agree with that. Like he's going to be fine. Like he's, mm-hmm. he can do some things, uh, but he, he's not like really great defensively relative to his athleticism. Mm-hmm. And he's, He's only good offensively, you know, getting putbacks and open dunks and, and rim rolls and, you know, alley-oops and stuff like it's kind of a limited offensive game. So, you know, you got to kind of keep a body on him to pay attention, but he's not a threat outside of that. And it's like a lot of guys who kind of fit that profile and, and mm-hmm. all of them look good at moments because they're so explosive and can do ex- like really exciting things. Mm-hmm. But like they don't like shift games or turn games and you can't leave them in all the time. And I, I think Gafford is probably that type of guy is a guy you're going to love on your bench for like, I think the Bulls have him was it for two more years or one more, like really cheap. Like you love him years. when he's costing you like a million dollars. But you know, like after this, he'll make like probably eight, nine million a year. And then you'd be like, yeah, someone else can pay him that to be their backup center. You know, he'll get Felicio money, you know, on someone else. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> to, be, to be the backup center, and that and that's fine, right? Like, and he'll he'll be a good Felicio. He won't be a bad Felicio like our Felicio. There's you know, no such be, thing as either. That's just bad Felicio. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be he'd be, be a good player though. Like he'll he'll be a quality player. But you know, like I don't think he's someone who's going to develop into someone great uh, or be a long-term fixture here. So I think you you could sacrifice some of his minutes for Lowry and then still keep kind of like that and. And and Otto on there. I think I think uh, Temple is just going to leave for Sato. I think that's going to be like a straight up, just swap out. I think Temple is mm-hmm. going to play very little. So we'll you know, yeah, see I, how I, it goes. I, I, everything you said is super logical about about Daniel Gafford. But where I disagree is the energy. Um, and him him being an impact player kind of guy. Because when he comes in, when I see him and he gets those dunks and he gets those blocks, it goes up for the team. It immediately yeah. goes up, uh, like you go up, and the way he runs the floor. So those kind of things I've seen him bring in excite me, and the offensive rebounding I like a lot. Now I think he should definitely be better rebounding. Like I, I don't like the fact that he's only about like four or five rebounds, whatever. Why can't why can they he not defensively it. rebound? This is yeah, like I have no idea. He's like averaging like one defensive rebound a game and like three offensive so, rebounds, so like something so like that. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it's like insane weird it's like enos cancer levels you know what i mean like it's it's so weird uh, but i but but i don't know but I, hopefully he can figure that out i mean he's got nothing but time because like you said i agree he'll have a long career but i like him because he you know what he is that's why i'd like him and i'm just talking about for this team in this lineup when i see it yeah when they were trying to figure out the offense and who does what the confusion you saw was nobody really could figure out what Wendell carter jr was going to do yet uh, he's just, you're just starting to see it now. Now I don't know, and that's another question I was going to ask you later, and I and I'll save it for later. But watching what Wendell Carter Jr. is is doing, and just looking more comfortable and more versatile about what everybody is saying that he was, he was not looking that way. You know what I'm saying for a while, like you didn't yeah. know he was comfortable doing these things. Everybody would tell me he was great defensively. That's one of his, you know, positives. And I mean, he just looked lost out there. Now we've seen a couple of plays, you know, with with because Billy Donovan runs the drop defense. We've seen that. Like he's running that drop defense off that pick and roll. Guys are dropping back. I need Wendell to understand when and when and when not to do it. Because just because you run the drop defense doesn't mean he doesn't want you thinking for yourself. So I still want you to understand when Buddy Hill comes off a pick. You shouldn't be dropping back and giving him space to shoot because that's Buddy Hill. That's what he's gonna do. He's gonna shoot. Period. So that's that's the only fault I, I I have with him because everybody's telling me about his defensive IQ and it, and I just started seeing it kind of get better. You know what I mean? I wasn't seeing it early on. 
Gafford, I know what I'm getting. I know exactly what I'm getting out there. I'm getting somebody who's damn near six feet tall. I'm damn near seven feet tall who's going to get rebounds, who's going to dunk the ball, who's going to block shots, who's going to run the floor and set strong picks. I'd like that for guys like Lowry, who I'm like, well, you don't have to. Nothing's clogged up for you anymore. Like, like you don't have to worry about is he going to float outside and shoot a 15 foot jumper? Is he going to step out? You know, maybe shoot this three or will he or won't he? Will this pick be set? Will he come off hard on it? Will he roll? Will he fade? No, you know what Gafford is. And I like guys who remove that thinking from a young team who's just trying to learn right now. I just like the fit of it. Uh, when I saw it earlier, and I thought, just to your point, as you said about Lowry dominating those smaller lineups, that's why I thought Wendell Carter Jr. would be better suited for that. Because his best game, when he dropped, what, 23 and 12? That best game he had, he was being defended by, like, Pascal. Like, he was the tallest dude out yeah. there. Like, he was the tallest. The tallest, other tallest person was a rookie on their team, was Wiseman. He, he isn't going to know yet. So that's, that's why I was like, well, maybe that's why, because his best game, because he's six foot nine. And he's used to being the biggest player out there in college and in high school. But when it's different when he got to the pros. So he's learning. But that's why I'm like, okay, I'm good to see him coming into fruition, getting getting all that versatility out these past couple games. And especially the rebounding. That excited me too. Watching him get those rebounds, like, okay, great. Now, was it because he played against his boy Bagley? Or is this something that's going to continue? These are the questions I have going forward for him and things like that. But that's why I wanted Gafford. It, it, I just like that he removed the thinking of it. And the energy that he would bring if if the team wasn't missing baskets, if they miss a basket, offensive rebound, dunk on somebody, yell, everything goes up. And I think one of the points you made in there uh, was echoed, and it, I think Mark from uh, Australia, our buddy Marquet, said this. He said, you know, Gafford, and he might have thrown in Sato, might be the only two guys in this team that are actually playing the appropriate role for their skill set and like abilities mm, you know like 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 Gafford comes in he's a backup center he has everything you want a backup center we're not asking him to do a single thing that he can't do and that he's not good at we're asking him to be exactly who he is like Kobe is out in the starting lineup we're asking him to grow like hey learn how to be a point guard mm-hmm. we're, we'll wait we'll be patient mm-hmm. we, we know you're gonna make mistakes but learn how to be a point guard Zach Levine we're out there like you know what be our superstar and like that's maybe like maybe Zach is never going to be our superstar, or anyone's superstar, right? I think he's a great player. We like Zach, but right. maybe he's just not going to be that. Right. And Wendell Carter, we're like, hey, we think you could be an offensive hub. We mm-hmm. think maybe you can shoot threes and pass, and like, and and maybe Carter can do that one day, but like it's it's far removed from what he did last year, and it's maybe like he's we're asking him to grow and stretch. And like Otto Porter, you know, maybe he's also another guy who kind of is in, in his right role. Pat Williams were like, yeah, we'll just throw you out in the starting lineup. Hey, you're a rookie, you're 19. <laughs> yeah. but why don't you just defend whoever the other team's best player is, you know, or everyone on the other team and, uh, you know, figure all this stuff out on the fly. Like everyone is kind of being asked to stretch and grow. And, and kind of like one of the beauties of Gafford and Sato is like these guys get to – you see them play well because they're actually asked to do exactly what they're best at doing. And point. You know, we don't have the luxury of doing that with everyone, right? Like, we, we need some of these guys to stretch and grow, these young guys, to see where yeah. they can be pushed and where they can go to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's appropriate that we're doing it. I don't mean it as a criticism. But it, it, the guys who don't have to do that, like you said, they don't have to think. They just get to go out and play, and they get to play exactly how they're used to playing. They get to play exactly to their strengths. And then and you see a lot of uh, positives when, when guys get to be exactly in their role and we've seen that with like Thad and Lowry getting closer to like the roles they're good at under Donovan, right? Like that's something we talked yeah. about is, yeah, is absolutely now true. get better in the offense. So and I, I, mean, I, I think 
Great point. Go ahead. I just wanted to ask you ask you this question uh, about Wendell Carter Jr. because it, it kind of popped in my head the last game when I was watching him. Do you think that his past few games are because Lowry isn't out there and he has a little more room to maneuver and you know kind of do what he likes to do, or is this something that you're like, no, this is what it's going to be even when Lowry gets back? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm blown away. I, I, I don't know. Like it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I kind of feel like when you think like you basically swapped in Porter for Lowry, mm-hmm. right? And, and so when I, when I think of that, I'm like, what is Porter doing differently? And how would the defense defend Porter that they wouldn't defend Lowry in the same way? Mm-hmm. And I think, so when I think of, think of it from that perspective, because that's how it should impact Wendell, I think Porter's probably going to be a little bit more mobile running around screens and moving around than Lowry is, mm-hmm. you know, Lowry, Lowry will be a little bit more stationary out there. And that probably uh, tightens up the space a little bit for Wendell and makes his, his passes a little bit trickier and probably makes the game a little harder. So I, it probably has helped him a little bit that Lowry's out. I don't think it's been a huge piece. I think most of it is him just becoming comfortable with uh, himself and what he has to do in the offense and, you know, building that confidence uh, that, mm-hmm. that I think Billy Donovan is really instilling into all the players yeah, uh, I think I think it's mostly that, but I, I I do think you might be onto something there. That I won't I won't at all say like I don't think these guys can play next to each other. I think they totally can, but yeah, I do yeah. think having like uh having you know more mobile, faster people around him, uh, it probably helps him a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of of uh, leaving bigger gaps on the court, making the decisions a little bit easier for him to make. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so too. I I, I think yeah, because Otto Porter Jr. plays like you said a completely different game. Oh, then loud. Like you said, it's not stationary. It's definitely movement. And and he's almost uh, he likes passing like he really enjoys finding uh, the open guy. And, you know, he likes shooting, of course, but he likes passing and he's a really good passer. So I, I'm I'm just watching it and I'm and I'm watching it a little more uh, closer uh, this game uh, when they play the Lakers and then when they play the Clippers. I'm going to be watching it a little bit more because I just want to make sure it's that I don't want that to be the reason. Cause like you said, I, I'm, I want these guys to, you know, play next to each other and um, go forward with that because, you know, they're, they're both really good, but I'm just, I'm just looking at it. Cause I just like, man, is he more free? Does he feel more free? Like he feels like it's not a pressure on him or he can maneuver a certain way because Lowry's not there. So I think that's a question we should uh, be looking at going forward these next couple games. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great point. When Lowry comes back, it'll be really interesting to see how that happens, yeah. uh, how, the, how that fits. All right. Yeah, as it turns out, uh, Dave, we, we've talked for like an hour already, which is <laughs> like amazing and awesome. I love ta- talking with you. It's, it's, it's like a testament that we've not actually gotten to hang out in, in so long. Uh, so I have to go in like seven minutes. Okay. So, Russ, all you podcast fans out there, we're going to get you out of here by seven minutes. Sure. Um, uh, we, we talked about a couple of things like, that we might bring onto the show. One was we, we might go into a little bit of politics just because it's just been, man, the events are like wild. And like, I, like normally I'm not a political guy, but like it's been so wild that I think even it warrants some talk. So we yeah. could go that direction for seven minutes. Sure. Or the other thing we've not talked about, unbelievably, unbelievably, we've not mentioned his name. I don't even know. Pat Williams. We've not even talked about oh. Pat Williams. So like I, I you now Dave you you get to choose the direction of the show for the final seven minutes. Uh, are we gonna are we gonna have some Pat Williams talk? Or are we are we gonna go into politics? Up to you. Oh man, that's tough. Um, tough choice. I know. I know. It's a, it, I mean, it's a, it's a tough choice in, in okay. life. You got to make these. I tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip a coin on Google. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do. 
I'm going to call in there. I'm going to flip a coin, and I'm going to call in there. Heads, politics, tails, Patrick Williams. All right, here we go. We're going to flip right now. And it's heads. So we're going politics, sir. We're going politics. All right, sorry, <laughs> Pat Williams. Uh, right. yeah, real quick, Pat Williams, just because we don't want to shout and leave him out. Just in 10 seconds, yeah, you, you're really happy with this pick, right? As we sit here today, yes. you're happy with this pick. Very. All right, so that's a yes. Second <laughs> thing, you just saw Tyrese Halliburton have, like, an amazing game. Yeah. You, are you of the opinion we should have taken Halliburton over Williams after that one game? No. I, right. I, no. That's great. All right, <laughs> I, trust politics. AK, I, I trust AK and Mark. I trust AK and Mark. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote on Twitter, and I just said, like, hey, look. Just a reminder, we didn't take Pat Williams because we thought he'd be better than Tyrese Halliburton in two weeks in his rookie season. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, like, Halliburton was a sophomore. He was an extremely well-rounded player coming into the league, had a very high floor, had skills and everything. The, the question with him was always upside. Uh, you didn't take, you know, Williams because you thought he was going to be a guy who pays off massive immediate returns. So, right. you know, I'm, I with, I'm with you on both. So well, I snuck in. I cheated. I wanted both because I didn't want to leave Pat out entirely. <laughs> all right. All right. So – this is, this is a crazy situation with people storming the Capitol. We had, we had, you know, massive amounts of uh, political uh, like unrest uh, with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, like earlier in the summer, mm-hmm. you know, with all of the different killings that have gone on. And I guess the, I mean, Jacob Blake, who just got, uh, um, we just found out none of the cops are going to be charged mm-hmm. in his shooting and mm-hmm. like all kinds of just, just craziness, the Capitol being stormed. I mean, it's just been like in the midst of a pandemic, which I think is just like right. the gasoline on the fire of everything. Yes. yes. So I'm going to start out with this. I think most people probably can guess from my Twitter profile, but I, if you've not met me, I am a white male. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shocking, shocking. Uh, it's, it's actually my Twitter profile is not a picture character of Conan O'Brien, which people <laughs> asked me once. It's like, why do you have Conan O'Brien as your picture? I don't actually look anything like Conan O'Brien, I don't think. But He does not. He does not. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a white male. And, and to further add from this, I'll say, like, I, I come from a generally privileged family. I didn't grow up poor. I've never struggled for money. Um, you know, I, I don't have, like, I didn't have massive wealth coming out of college or anything, but I did, uh, I did have my college paid for, which to me makes me probably luckier than like 98% of the people in the world, you know, something like that, something ridiculous. So I've had, I, I entered life on easy mode. Um, it's just, is what it is, right? Like you, you never mm-hmm. apologize for the, the gifts that have been given to you, no, no, you uh, by, by stuff that was out of your control. You take advantage of them, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then you try to give back to everyone else. Yeah. Like that, that's sort of like my view. You do, you never, you, of course, everyone is lucky in different ways and you take advantage of the ways you can. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that, so for me, and we were talking about this for quite a while pre-show, and uh, I'll, I'll start with this. I thought what was interesting for me, and I have a, I have a pretty diverse friend group. Um, I kind of would have just viewed like, oh yeah, this is just normal. Like everyone has these diverse friend groups. Like racism isn't such a big thing. <laughs> like it's it's like it just doesn't exist so much anymore. Mm-hmm. And when Donald Trump came into office, all of a sudden, and like seeing everything happen and seeing like all these things happen, I, and like seeing the reactions to people like on Twitter, like it. Like some of the stuff that goes goes on there, um, you know, where people are like so dismissive of some of these things or like making up excuses for some of these behaviors of how people are treated. And it made me realize I'm like, no, racism is like a huge thing. Yeah. It's yeah. just like before Trump, it was like all the people who were racist knew they could never say anything about it. Right. Like they, they knew it. They had to keep it bottled up. And he's actually empowered people to come back out of the woodwork a little bit mm-hmm. and, and bring this to the forefront. And it really like it really opened my eyes to that. 
like I, I would have actually been of the opinion, like this isn't as big of a challenge as I thought it was anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and then now I'm like, wow, <laughs> no, this is still like, this is a really big thing. Like actually others, people's experience is, are not like mine. Like that mm-hmm. it's, it's actually not the normal experience to just, you know, have a, have a diverse friend group. Like I'm in, I'm in an interracial mm-hmm. marriage. Uh, it's like Indian and white, not not black and white. It's funny because when you say interracial, people automatically assume black and white. But there, <laughs> there are other other races out there. Like my best man was Mexican. Like I mm-hmm. just had a, my best friend is Indian. Like I just have a lot of it. Just just didn't didn't try. It just worked out that way. And I kind of, <laughs> right, right, right. that's just how it works for everyone, right? Like you just mm-hmm. meet people and 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 it just works this way. And it made me realize, like, no, my experiences are actually just I won't say they're weird or abnormal. Maybe when you're in a big metropolitan area like this. They might be actually pretty normal. Like we live in a really diverse area, but uh, it's it's just been weird uh, to see how crazy this is. And I just wanted to kind of get your take on like, man, like how is how is all this? Like, what is what are your thoughts on all the the stuff going on? Well, I think like honestly, like you said, like what your friends are and your circle is is what it should be. But it's just not that. If anybody knows the diversity of white people, it's black people because we can't have. We, we can't just say, OK, it's this group of white people and that's all we know. Hey, and this is all white people. No, unfortunately, we have to, we deal with all of it. <laughs> we deal with yeah. all factors of it, good and bad. It, it all is placed upon us at a young age. It's yeah. all it's placed upon us and we learn it and when we grow. And so when we spit it back out and explain to people our experiences and things that we've been through, a lot of people just nah, you're crazy. It's not like that. What do you mean? We're in Chicago. I'm like, yeah, but. My cousin lives in Jacksonville, Florida. Like, you know what I'm saying? My other friend lives in, you know, Mississippi or in Texas. Like, America isn't just Chicago, New York, LA. Like, it's 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 much bigger than that. And black people know that better than anyone because we've seen and experienced all these things. But it's it's like I told you before, uh, the, when we were having these discussions, when, before we uh started this show, racism is 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 not a black issue. It's not. Racism is a white issue and a black burden. And you don't ask the people who are burdened by something to cure it. You don't ask them to fix their own broken legs. You know, you're the person who broke them. They're the people who need to be fixing your broken legs or learning how to fix it or wanting to take the steps to want to do it. So that's what, you, when we see stuff like storming the Capitol and I'm like, it's, you know, you're just seeing some entitled spoiled people be mad about something that's not true <laughs> and be mad about it and say it's true. And because they're not getting their way, they're mad about it. Because why? You're used to getting your way. <laughs> you know, they're used to getting away with all of it. After all that ended, uh, after all that ended at the Capitol, you know, a majority of them did. They went back to their hotel rooms. They went back to their hotels. They sat in their lobbies and, and they had drinks and talked about, you know, running up into the Capitol and, and trying to destroy it. And had a conversation. No arrest, no problems. Everybody was very civil about it. Because it's the norm for them. Like, I know I can do that. Black people, it doesn't cross our mind to say, dude, we're running up on the Capitol. Like, we, we get crucified when we run up on a target. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's not the same thing. Like, it doesn't feel like ours, you know? And we want it to be ours. And we want to have that firm grasp on it because, you know, we're here. We love this country. You want We want to see it grow. And the people in power are usually the people who don't want growth. Because, like I told you, like, who wants to give up power? When you're on top, why would you want to give that up? Why, why do I have to pass out, you know, pieces of cake to everybody when I could just eat this whole cake myself and then maybe give you a couple crumbs off of it? So that's kind of what you're seeing when I look at it. And so when I saw the cap, when I saw the storming of the Capitol, 
I was more interested in what white people had to say than I was interested in, in any person of color had to say. Because I already know how we felt. Because we're like, yeah, we're living in two Americas. We we know what this is. We've been watching this sequel more than the Avengers. We 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 know what this is. This has been going on for generations. I'm more interested in white people and what they have to say about it because that's where the change is. Because that's where the problem is lying right now. You know, whether it's your cousins or whether it's people you're not claiming or whether it's your friends or anything like that. You you can't tune them out because they're yelling at you right now. They're screaming at you right now. And you don't like what you're hearing because it looks ugly. But we've been hearing those screams and those yells forever and been trying to tell people about them and didn't want to listen. So this that is that it's at this point now. I'm really interested um, of hearing white people's opinions on it. So when I was hearing you speak about it, I was like, yes, exactly. That's that's how it should feel. You know, I don't want you to feel ashamed, you know, for for having things. I don't want you to feel ashamed for thinking racism wasn't a huge issue. I'm, I'm more ashamed if somebody finds out it's a huge issue and then does nothing. That's the problem. The fact that you like, no, this is a problem. I would like to change some things. That's how it happens. That's how the growth happens and the change starts. Yeah, it, and I think it, it it really comes down to to every person, like just doing their best to to just help those around them, right? Like mm-hmm. we just kindness is free. Yes. So helping yes. helping people is free. You know, it, it, like there's no yeah yeah. It's a, it's such a weird thing because it's like out of my my mind in this way, but it's like like I'm in I am in a hiring position. Mm-hmm. You know, I I interview people. Like there's no mar- part of me that's like, oh man, if I hire this black guy, this other white guy is not gonna. <laughs> It's like, you know, like there's no part of me that's like ever, like ever thinks anything like that. Right. right. Like, it's so weird. But there are, you know, and, and and you get down to some of the real things and it's it's tough because a lot of it is like in hiring, um, it, it, you know, and you talk about systemic racism and people I don't think really understand entirely what that means all the time. And it, it kind of is, it's like this un subconscious like behavior you have. Right. Like I, I, I interview someone, I interview like, like two candidates. One of them is, is some guy who might be very much like me. And another guy is somebody who's maybe a, a black guy and who's not like me in this one artificial way. But mm-hmm. the non-artificial thing is maybe this white guy also grew up in a similar neighborhood mm-hmm. and he has a similar speech pattern mm-hmm. and he likes similar sports mm-hmm. and he likes similar things. And he watched similar shows growing up and we have like cultural connections. And now with this other guy who's got a different uh, racial background or different cultural background, it doesn't have to be black. It can be like anyone. Right. You know, like I'm not immediately going to relate to that person quite as well mm-hmm. uh, because I'm different and not mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm I have hatred in my heart, but because I'm different. And and so you have this like thing where these this like subconscious thing tells you to go this one way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's like the I think that's like the really difficult part to fix. You know, like, because I think that's like the part that each person individually has to be introspective and think about, uh, you know, and make a good decision based on like these, these, like the real attributes for the job and like this gut feeling you have that maybe leans towards someone that's more like you. Actually, it creates like less, less, um, creates less diversity in your thought within your group and your teams and actually makes your team perform a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's like studies that show that too, like more diverse groups perform a lot better. They're more innovative. Uh, mm-hmm. They they take on less risk. They mm-hmm. they understand situations better. So you know, like you miss out when you when you just when you always yeah. do that way. But that's that's like a tough thing for people to do. Like the, I I don't think you can take someone who's like just has hatred in their heart and change them. 
Like, I think that's, I mean, maybe you can, if like they go through an extreme life experience, like if you're just, you have hatred in your heart and then your daughter marries someone who's interracial, like maybe because you love your daughter, you get exposed and then through exposure, you change, but it's, it's like very hard. Right. Um, but the people who don't have hatred in their heart, but still make these like decisions this way, like those are the people that like, I really, really hope can like, you can like start and think like, how can I change? How can I be better? How can I make sure that I'm not subconsciously, uh, adding to the problem? And like how you can think and, um, you know, how you raise your kids is like the biggest thing too. Yes. Yes. Very true. Like, man. It's, it's, it's wild. And I'll, I'll tell like a brief story and now we've, we've blown my eight minute thing. So, oh, well, I guess I'd be late to that meeting. Um, but like the, uh, my daughter's is a lesbian mm-hmm. and, uh, I was the first person she came out to. So one, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that because, uh, mm-hmm. she was 14 and you know, she was willing to tell me that it means that I did my job as a parent to make her feel comfortable. Yeah, herself seriously. That, you know, she didn't feel bad. Um, but then when she first came out, she was scared. She wouldn't tell anyone. She wouldn't, right. she was scared. She was ashamed of who she was. She didn't want to be this way. And, and you know, she, I was like super proud, like, oh, you should tell everyone and you know, whatever. And like, you gotta, you gotta just live who you are because it's, it's always going to be a problem mm-hmm. if, if you can't. And so I see my daughter and like, you know, anytime, like, I feel like I'm like pretty progressive mm-hmm. and like anytime I see uh, my daughter talk about anything, like her level of progression, like blows mine away. Mm. Like, there's like things like I'm not like an entirely like up uh, like sold on yet like I'm not they sold on isn't the right word but like I don't know how to deal with or how to cope with like um <laughs> trans like transgenders and bathrooms mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. one that like for me like in my like just based on my age or whatever I'm like man that's still like a tricky thing to me mm-hmm. you know but like my daughter would be like no it's not and like <laughs> go through this like big speech about why it's not and like I'm not gonna try and convince anyone but like you know it's like so my daughter though is growing up like and she's just like she's colorblind. She's sex blind. She's orientation blind. Like she's mm-hmm. just like, like nothing matters. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and so like, all you can do is like, you just want your kids to like be a little better than you are. Right. right? You want your kids to be better than you. And you know, that's, that's what, I, you know, just the, the next generation. And I was doing some work for my company on diversity and I was giving a pitch on why we needed to be more diverse and how far things have actually gone. And when doing a little research in this, you know, it was crazy that in my lifetime, segregation was like still kind of a thing yeah <laughs> yes. like, like like it feels like oh man that that that's so long ago but i'm like 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 legalized segregation i think i want to say it ended in the 50s but it was like yeah. it was still basically there until like the mid 70s i was born Correct. in 75 Correct. i'm like man like like i mean i was old enough to experience it but like that's like completely nuts yeah. so like at the same time it was a nation even though like this the recent events have kind of made me feel like wow there's still a long long way to go and longer than i thought there was to go and i need to now take a little bit more active role in trying to help push that forward. Uh, it also is good to take a look back sometimes and think like, but we have gone a long way too. Yeah, you know, we have. And, and it was once I tell people that too, like, cause you, you would think that it's generations ago. I am separated from that by one generation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Once just it, that's just one, just one generation for me. Now other people, it might like, no, my great grandfather and great, I'm like, no, most black people, we're separated by one, one generation from things like that that were going on. And the stories that they can tell you and break you down will completely blow your mind and break your heart that they can tell. Yeah. I, I remember when I first went to college and I went to college in a small town, Tennessee. And when I got off the bus, I'll never forget, I got off the bus and I'll go to the bathroom. And when I looked at the bathroom doors for men and women, you saw the sign that said men and sign saying women. You could see where they had scraped off white and colored. You could see it. It was still there. It was still embedded on the doors. They they wow. 
they didn't even take the whole thing off, but it was there. And I said, where the hell am I? <laughs> where am I? This is insane. Like, like this is crazy. But it's that's why I'm telling people, like, it's not that long ago. It's not that far off, man. You know, you're separated by by some by a couple of great albums, you know what I'm saying? By a couple yeah. of great movies. Like, that's what you're separated by. It's not that long. So the change change is hard. You know, change is difficult, man. It it really is. But you know, kudos to you, Doug, and people like because you're willing to do it. You're willing to change. You're willing to be, you know, for you're willing to be ignorant to it because you're like, I don't know. Now teach me. You know what I mean? Now let me know what it is, and then we'll go from there. That's how it is. That's how it should be, man. That's honest. You know, that's being truthful in in who you are. That is a good thing, man, because it's not dumb. You know what I'm saying? Being not knowing something is different between being dumb and not knowing something. When you yeah. just don't know it, you just don't know it. You just don't know what you don't know. That's it. You know what you know and you know what you don't. So the fact that you want to grow from it and learn, man, it's, it's beautiful. So, yeah, yo, man, big big up to your daughter, you know what I mean, and your entire family and everyone like you, man, for real. Uh, <laughs> making me blush again. Yeah. Dave, Dave you're a superstar. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I appreciate everything. I mean, I, I can't wait to get together. Like, we're we're going to have to have, like, some type of uh, – some type of like old school podcast or something yeah. with uh, get you Chris Fred we get uh, Fred's got his new Knights of uh, Knights of the Round Ball Table show going <laughs> maybe we maybe yeah. we get the OG uh, podcasters back you know <laughs> meet up for some beers but thank you so much for coming on the show it's it's just a pleasure having you and uh, you know tell the people like all the places they can find you because I I'm sure I forgot like half of them in my oh, in my man. lame intro I didn't didn't prep it all but <laughs> but no like Dave's all over the place so uh, yeah. Know, you can, you can, well, Doug didn't say it, so I'll say it for you. You can find me at our podcast, Bow on Bulls. <laughs> it's B A W L Ball. You have to say it like Avery Johnson is saying it. That's the only way it's said. <laughs> so, yeah, Ball on Bulls. Uh, we have two podcasts there. We do one called Ball, and, and we do the other one called Ball on Bulls that is strictly, you know, NBA talk and, and about the Chicago Bulls. Um, you can go to our website, ballsports.com, and find that, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're there, Spotify. I don't care. Radio.com, uh, iTunes, we're, we're there. Um, you can follow us on social media. Follow me personally on social media at Ball Sports. You can follow my partner Chris. He's on social media also at Ball Sports One. Uh, Instagram, we're at Ball Sports. And also uh, do the Bulls Outcast with my man Matt and uh, my man John. And we do that for Hot Mike. It's a free app. You can download, uh, watch along with us, comment. You can even tip us. You can even come on with us. You can give us five bucks and actually come on with us and talk with us and have a good time. But even if you don't have the app, you can watch it on YouTube at the uh, Ball Sports uh, YouTube channel. All right, man. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back again uh, sometime mid-season. Man, appreciate you, Doug, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks.